0: In the front, we'll talk about it. Are you ready for the Word of God? Sure. Well, I love that enthusiasm. Let's keep it up. Get your Bibles out and go with me to First Kings chapter seventeen. I got a lot of things I want to preach this morning, but I can only preach one. By the way, Betty Mae, thank you for Mario Marillo. Did you enjoy that? Boy, that was some good preaching. Listen to this guy preaching. It's people getting delivered and evangelists today preaching the gospel. I love it. Amen. 1 Kings, I'm preaching a sermon today called A Place Called There. Now, I didn't come up with this title. I stole it. I stole it from John Osteen. After John Osteen preached this message, many people, over the years have referred to it, Mary Frances Varalo talked about this message a little bit in her sermon when she was here, talking about the sermon he preached, A Place Called There. Now, I'm going to read this, and before I do, I want to talk to you today about something very strategic. Does God have an interest in where you are? Yeah. He does. Sometimes we have an idea in the body of Christ today that we can be anywhere we want to be, doing anything we want to be doing, and God will bless it. He will not. He's very strategic, and we're going to go over scriptures to show you that he has a place for you, a place for me, a place for all of us. So let's begin reading 1 Kings 17.1. Elijah the Tishbite. Everybody say thank you. My name is not Tishbite. I just think that's funny. Hi, Tishbite. Okay. Of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, with whom I stand. There will not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now he's three and a half years of drought is on the way. There's tough days coming. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith. Which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you will drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Say there. Now. So he went according to the word of the Lord, and he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows in the Jordan, and ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook, and it happened that after a while the brook dried up. Let's come down, let's look at this scripture here for a minute and go over something. God Said there's a drought in the land, and he looked at the prophet and said, I want you to go to a place, I will feed you there. What would have happened if he had decided to go to Wakaiba? Wouldn't have been any food there. What if he had said, God, you said in the Bible, you meet all of my needs according to your riches and glory, and I want you to feed me here? Wouldn't have happened. When we start reading our Bible, and it became very, very, the Spirit of God began to deal with me very strong in this area. There's there's a place God is very strategic and interested in where you are and what you're doing. Now, a lot of times we don't we don't talk about that much, not in America. We don't talk about this much. We'll get into something a little bit, a prayer where Jesus prayed, not my will but yours. It's not a prayer we pray much. We have a tendency to just stand on a scripture and we have this other tendency, God, this is what I'm doing, come on. And we don't understand why things don't work. But the Lord said, I'm going to feed you there. Now that the brook Cherith, when we were in Israel, was really interesting because there's a river that flows from Jerusalem down to the Jordan River, and that is the same road that the Bible says it was a Samaritan that went from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. There's a stream there that, unless you're going down that stream, you have no water going all the way to Jericho because everything around it is desert and there's a thin line of green right all the way down through the desert, and that's the brook Cherith. But that's where God told Elijah, I want you to go there. Now, I want you to think again about what I'm fixing to say. How often in our Bible does God have something he said, I want you to do this this way? Are we allowed to change it? Well, you can, but you get no results. A lot of times people are not getting their prayers answered because they're not following directions. They haven't sought God. Where do you want me to be? And what is it you're wanting me to be doing? God has for you a place called there. He has a place. He has a plan for you. Do you know what it is? Very often, we need to spend the time seeking his face. What is it you're wanting me to do? Let me get off subject here for a moment. If the God of the universe made all of the stars and slung them into orbit and he came to earth... And he walked on water, raised the dead, took mud, and made an eyeball. Would it be be intelligent to listen to him? I would think so. But the Jews argued with him. That's called stupid. It is a good word. Don't be stupid. Stupid. If God says Cherith, he meant Cherith, not wakiva. Thank you all. Let me finish reading this because I think it bears. Are we doing all right? I want a little more vibes out of you all this morning. I want to. Verse 8. And the word of the Lord came and said, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. I have commanded a widow to provide for you to dwell where? There. Now, let me stop for a minute. Just because God gave you instructions last year does not mean that those are your instructions this year. Now, back when I was younger, I remember when men went to work. They would get a job at a place, let's say, Westinghouse. And they would stay there till the day they died. And never change jobs. Now, I'm not saying you should do that. But I am saying that if you've had four jobs in four months, there might be something wrong with you there, a little bit, a little bit there. I'm not talking about jumping from job to job. I'm not talking about jumping from place to place. But there, if there comes a time when God says, I'm done with you here, go there. You need to know the voice of God. You need to know when you're supposed to be moving and why. And we're going to get into that. So he tells him, I want you to go to Zarephath, which was an eight-day walk to a widow woman who was starving. And then he told her, make me a cake. Now, let me ask you a question. Why would a, a overweight preacher who's been eating the king's steak on a rock brought by ravens go to a woman who's cooking her last meal and demand him feed her? Because God's got a plan for you and it'll always encompass men and women of God. There'll always be faith involved in the plan of God. So he tells him to go to Zarephath, and there is a woman there that will provide for you. I have commanded it. Now, what I'm saying is that God had very strategic directions for this man of God during his life and during the drought. I want to go over a couple of more of these that I want to bring out because I think it it bears us hearing it. Go to Genesis chapter 12, please, and look at verse 1. I want, I want to read a few scriptures here because I want to impregnate your mind with the way God does things. I want you to see how he works because a lot of times we're trying to figure out how he works and we need to go to the word of God and go, how do you work? A lot of people are praying prayers and asking God, Show up where I am. You might not be where he told you to be. Genesis chapter 12. And the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country. From your family, he didn't. He took them. From your father's house to a land I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you. In all of the families of the earth, you will be blessed. Now think about what he just said. So let me ask you a question before I get going here. Why did God not bless Abraham in the earth of the Chaldees? Could he have? I'm pretty sure he could have. But he gave him very strategic directions. Get up, get out of here, and go where I show you. And he took him to Canaan, a land that God wanted to give to the children of Israel. So he said, I will bless you where? Where I'm sending you. Not where you are where I'm sending you. In other words, it's gonna take an element of faith to follow God. What is he saying to you? What's he leading you to do? What's he saying to the church today? So then we have another story, and I'm not gonna show it to you in the Bible. We'll just, we'll just talk about it. There came a day when Isaac was of age And God said, take your son Isaac, your only son Isaac, and go to a mountain that I will show you. We know now that the mountain Abraham went to was the same spot Jesus was crucified. And you take him to that mountain, and you offer him as a burnt sacrifice there. And Abram took Isaac, loaded him on a donkey with wood, and off to a place God told him to go. Now, what I'm trying to do is show you that places are a big deal to God. Places are huge to God. There is provision for you, but not where you want it. It's where he sent. God will meet all of our needs where he sent you if you're there. Well, that's good. So going on down the line, let's talk about another one. Later, later in life, God meets a man by the name of Joseph. And he said, take Mary and go to Bethlehem. Go down there. And and at Bethlehem, Jesus was born. And in Bethlehem, an angel appeared to Joseph in the night and said, Herod's going to try to kill the child, take the child, and go to Egypt. The finances that he needed to go to Egypt was was what the kings brought to him when he was two years old. And he brought him gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which means that Jesus was not poor. Poor baby. Poor babies don't have gold. They have Tupperware. Lisa and I found out early, don't buy the kids toys, just let them have the Tupperware. (laughs) They're more intrigued with that than they are anything else anyway. Just save your money. But now Jesus, God told him, take Jesus to Egypt. After he got into Egypt, an angel appeared to him again and said, now go back to Israel. And in a dream, an angel said, go live in Nazareth. How important do you think that was? Very. Very, Because there's a scripture that says, out of Nazareth have I called my son. When Jesus got started his own public ministry, he went to his church. They didn't receive him, so he took his headquarters to Capernaum. Now, I'm saying all of that because when you stop and read your Bible, you're going to notice there's a lot of moving around, and God is the one telling them, come here, go there. I could get way ahead of myself. Let me just get ahead of myself. When Jesus rose from the dead and told 500 people to meet him in Jerusalem, where were the other 380 on the day of Pentecost? He said, I want you to be there. They weren't there. Now you know why I'm preaching on this subject today. There is a place that you and I need to be in God, I want you to look at another one here, Matthew 26, 39. We're gonna learn a new scripture. He went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed saying, oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now why am I bringing that up? Because I'm talking to tongue-talking, devil-chasing, holy-rolling, faith-and-word Kenneth Copeland Hagen Copenhagen's. We have heard, and I have too, all of our life on sickness and disease that we don't pray if it be Thy will when we have a Bible because we know the will. But I'm going to tell you this: your Bible doesn't have all of the will of God for your life. It doesn't have a Popka in here. I have looked. It doesn't even have Orlando in here. It doesn't have Taco Bell in here anywhere. There's a lot of areas that you're in my life that are not in the Bible. Jesus prayed a prayer, if it be thy will, and he was where in a place that he didn't want to be. God has a place for you. Now, I'm going to back up a minute, and I'm going to go to James chapter 4, and while you're going there, let me talk for a minute. When I got born again and received Jesus as the Lord of my life, I was in Athens, Georgia, and the Lord, I was watching television one morning, and Pat Robinson came on, and he began to quote a scripture, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat, he's worse than an infidel. And I went, ouch, because I don't have a job, and I'm just sitting there enjoying Jesus. I turned the television off, and I went and got a job, J-O-B. I went and got a job at CertainTeed. God got me a job in a fiberglass plant. Now, you would think that God would take his most special preacher, And give me something a little easier than fiberglass. I thought so too. I went to work there, and during my time there, the Lord began to teach me things like get to work on time, shut up, and quit telling your boss what you are and aren't gonna do. Taught me how to work, taught me how to make money, taught me how to follow directions. And through my three years there, he promoted me from running a bagger to running a roll-up to working in the warehouse to finally running the maintenance department and got me back in church on a Sunday, and that's another whole story. But after that, Mike Nassera, the, the manager of the plant, said he began to groom me for managerial position. Now, I'm thinking to myself, boy, this is God. During that three years, God got me out of, out of debt, He got me out of debt. He got me a job, not making a lot of money, $3.11 an hour, starting off. But then I moved into an apartment complex called Cathwood Apartments that later, um, and and the girl that was the manager actually watches us on Sunday morning, her name is Deborah, was, was Debbie, Deborah. And um, she began to ask me if I could do some odd jobs around the place. And they started paying me like $5 to change washers. I'm only making $3.11 an hour to to work in a factory. And I'm getting $5 to change washers in five minutes. And I began to make money, sometimes no more than, you know, $50 a week. But you understand $50 a week when a Camaro is only $3,000 is a lot of money. And so I began to mow grass and do some painting and do some maintenance work. I got to where one hour after work, I was making more money than I was at work. And then Debbie left and and gave the resident managership to me. And I began free rent, free phone, free utilities and maintenance and work. So in, in 12 months time, I'm completely out of debt. God needed to get me out of debt because he had something he wanted me to go do. And I remembered that I had become very satisfied. Back then, you could buy a brand new home for $30,000. I was being set up to do something and to finally get my life in order. And the Lord spoke to me one day and said, I want you to go to Oklahoma and go to Bible school. Now, you know, in the natural, I guess that really wasn't all that hard. God had been so good to me, I didn't mind standing up. But you understand, financially, I'm set. And I went out to Tulsa and began to work for $5 an hour, $20 a day, and went to Bible school. You understand, I went from good to difficult in order to be in the will of God. But God had a place for me called there, and it wasn't in Athens, it was somewhere else go to this place I'm sending you. Yeah. Now, just like, just like Elisha, I wasn't supposed to stay in Athens. Now, I'm not giving you a license to run around. But I will tell you this. I'm not going to tell you what you should and shouldn't be doing. But I would recommend you get under the spout where the blessings are falling out. So God said, go to Tulsa and go to Rama." And I went to Rama, and God began to bless me. I began, I went to work for a place called the Hardesty Company, second largest apartment complex builder west of the Mississippi and um, next to Lincoln Properties. And the owner had an F-16 for a toy. And I'm one of his best maintenance men and I'm climbing quickly in the business. I went to Ramah for two years. At the end of two years, all of my friends knew where they were going. I did not pull out a map and put my finger on it to choose the will of God. I did not pick a city that had more money, and I did not pick a deer hunting spot. Though I would have liked to have. There was one place I had never entertained the thought in my entire life, Orlando. I had been here. Smells like fish. I came to the Jesus Festivals. I didn't even go to the beach. Didn't even bother. Went home as fast as I could get out of here. But there was a man that moved in next door to me that I tried to get him out. Tom Copeland. Tom Copeland was a pastor. I did not want a pastor living next door to me because I'm not a pastor. Don't tell me you've never told God what to do. I've told him what to do many times. He just don't listen. So I moved an evangelist in because my wife was a resident manager and I could move people around where I wanted them. So we moved Tom out and moved this evangelist in. The evangelist stayed there for a short while, never did talk to me, and then moved away, and Tom Copeland moved in. Hated it, but he did. So Tom and I started going to school together and became friends. And he left at the end of two years and moved to a place called orlando of all places well that's the end of tom i think so every day i go off alone and i say god where do you want me to go and what do you want me to do and i get an invitation in the mail from one person only one and i'm in my room laying hands on it when you only have one place to go you only have one thing to pray about (laughs) maybe god didn't want me praying about two places finally i said I'm going to check it out and see if this is God. And I flew in, Lisa remembers the day, flew in, went to Pine Hills. Tom was in Ravenswood, what was it? Robinswood Robinswood Recreational Center preaching. And I got up on a Sunday morning and preached. And then when I left, the Spirit of God said, move. Well, that's okay. It's better than Oklahoma where they don't have trees at all. See, when you go from Georgia to Oklahoma, it's quite a shock, because the only if you see a tree, there's water somewhere. Never mind. when it snows, it snows and snows and snows, and the only way you can find the road is just drive between the mailboxes. And all of you people that love to in the snow, I love going and skiing, but I love leaving, because when you wake up every door and scrape all of the ice off your windshield after a while, it gets a old. Anyway, so I left Oklahoma and moved to Orlando. Now, I had full intentions on working for Tom the rest of my life. But you know, that didn't work. Circumstances got in the middle of that, and it ended up that I went through a divorce, and I ended up not doing that anymore, marrying Lisa, and then laying around and wondering what in the world God wanted me to do. And I began to pray profusely. Well, God got me a job working laying block. And I want to tell you, I hated that job. Just because God put you someplace doesn't mean you're going to like it. Okay, I'll come over here. This isn't, y'all, these people over here are listening. Anything else? Just be, everywhere you work, there, God is going to put you places to grow you. And, and I know this is almost anti-faith and word. But he doesn't mind putting you in a hard place. Because he might think there's some rough edges he needs to knock off you. So he puts me on an all black crew. Now I'm a Georgia boy. I never worked all black people before. God thought I needed to know black people. Why? Well, if you're going to pastor, you might want to know there's more people than whites. I mean, God has a sense of humor, but he's like, this is your job. And I will tell you, every Saturday, I went out looking for another job because I don't like this one. And I'm preaching better than your And because some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. You're doing everything in your power to get out of the will of God. So at the end of a, a certain amount of time, the Spirit of God began to deal with me, and Air Mobile Ministries opened up, and I thought, this is definitely God. Flying airplanes, shooting grouper and lobster, and preaching. This is the will of God. Until one day I was in Haiti on the island of Laganov, and Melanie Hayward was with me, and I think she's the one that did this. It was her presence there. And the Lord said, when you get home, They're going to ask you to take the church. You're the next pastor. And I said, no, sir. The thought of pastoring had never entered my mind. As a matter of fact, I would not think of anything evil or immoral. Not that I didn't think pastoring would be good. I didn't feel qualified. And I already had people tell me that I wasn't qualified. See, I've been prophesied that I'm an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and a teacher, and that I'm not called at all. I've had all of those prophecies <laughs> by different people. But that day when the Lord said, I want you to take that church, that was quite an eye-opener for me. But you understand, God had a place for me. I am going to tell you, I thank God, that he has led me and placed me everywhere he's ever placed me because I have grown everywhere he put me. There was something he wanted me to learn, something he wanted, but every place he put me, there was provision. You get under the spout where the blessings are falling out. Now, I'm saying all of this because charismatics have a bad habit of going, God, I'm moving to Tennessee, come. You might get up there and die of starvation. You might get up there and die early. Let's talk about church a minute. Where are you supposed to be on Sunday morning? Church. When there is a man of God or a woman of God here, Why are you off doing something else? Apparently, you don't need to hear what the man of God says or the woman of God. Folks, it's very important. I've seen people, their lives went upside down, and I'm not going to talk about this in detail. But Lisa and I did something once that was totally not God. When you lose 50 to 100,000 dollars being stupid, you don't do it often. You hopefully you learn and go, I won't do that again. When something affects your health, when something affects your livelihood and you go, "Ooh, that wasn't good." I've seen young ministers leave Orlando, move to Tennessee, move to Maine, move to Tennessee, move back to Orlando, why don't you just pray? That's expensive, stupid. That's just expensive. Just saying. Go to James 4. How am I doing, guys? Right now, we're in a time in America, and I say this, there's a war going on in um, Ukraine. Uh, are are attempting to. There's also one, uh, uh, looks like it's going to kick off uh, Iran and Israel. And then China seems to be checking out um, Taiwan real close. We're living in a very, very tough strategic time. I don't think the time that we're living in as big a deal as you making sure you need to be where you're supposed to be. When the children of Israel, when God went in to to Egypt to get them out, there was no uh, problem in the houses of the Israelites. They needed to be home. Their cows didn't get killed by hail. Their their building had light, they had food when no one else had food. I believe that God has set it up for the church to be blessed in the days that we're living in. But I think it's also very important that you know where you're supposed to be. And then when he says, pack it up and head to the Red Sea... Pack up and head to the Red Sea because God has a place for you there. And if you get to the Red Sea and think this was stupid, God has a miracle for you there to take you into the desert. But don't be afraid of the desert because God's going to provide for you there. And then after you go through the desert, it took them 40 years. Shouldn't have taken it but 10 days because they wouldn't cooperate He wants to take you into a land of milk and honey if he can get you there. Right now, the Spirit of God is moving on America and on the nation, and he is trying to talk to his church about doing what he says, the way he says do it. We are an independent people, but it's time for us to become more dependent. On the Spirit of God and lead him. They that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Not they that are led by COVID, they that are led by CNN, they that are led by fear, they that are led by your in laws and your outlaws, they that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. That means it's time for you to learn the voice of the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm going to back up here and tell you a story. Um, When I got born again, um, November 16, 1975, I had an issue with deer hunting. Um, Every year, when deer hunting began, I hit the woods. And I was in the woods all, I mean, my logic was, how can you shoot a deer unless you're there? But the problem was I had made deer hunting an idol. It was more important than anything. I realized that after I got saved. And, uh, and one day I was laying in my room reading my Bible and thinking about whitetails. And the Spirit of God said, I get no pleasure in this. Get up close your Bible and go to the woods. If you're there in your soul, go. And he was not happy with me. I closed my Bible, got my gun, went to the woods, and I realized that he wasn't being nice about it. And I went home and I took my rifle and I put it in the closet and I got down by my bed and I said, from this day forward, I'll never make an idol out of this again. I will obey you and do what you say, and I'll go hunting. Now, I'm not telling you to do that, but I'm telling you I needed to do that. So the last day of deer season, I'm laying in my room. I'd forgotten about deer hunting that deer completely. Just totally forgot about it. Last day, last day, 10 in the morning, and it's raining. And the Lord said, why don't you go deer hunting? And I went. I looked outside, and I thought, Normally, we would be in the stand at eight or seven waiting for the deer because they're headed to the beds. But I didn't want to say anything because he's God and you don't tell him how to deer hunt. And I mentioned, I said, well, it's raining. And he said, okay. I said, well, I'm not not going to argue with you. And I got my gun and I headed to the woods. And I had not been. Now, you understand if you deer hunt, you scout so you can find the deer. So I get out of my truck, and I'm standing there, and I have no idea where to go. And I heard this voice that sounded a lot like Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Listen to your spirit, Luke. Well, Star Wars went out then. But, but the Lord said to me, follow your spirit. I went, okay. I started walking down through the woods, and I got to the river, and I turned right, and I had a check. <laughs> And I turned left and I had a, yeah. And so I turned left. And I'm walking down the river and I came up on a field full of peas. What I did not know was that the night before it had frozen. And all of the fields were frozen. But at 10 o'clock a rain began and thawed the fields out. And all of the deer were in the fields at noon. You know, God knows how to deer hunt. So, I came up on a whole herd of deer, and as a big seven point buck was in the middle of the field, and rapidly I threw my gun up and shot his antler off. <laughs> I had intended to shoot him and hit him, but I, hit, I, I didn't make a good shot, and the deer screamed at me. I did not know deer scream, but when you get your antler shot off, I'm apparently they scream. And I gotta tell you, where I was, my my back is to the river. There's a field therein. Behind the field is a little patch of woods about the size of the inside of this church. And it's sparse. It's got a little honeysuckle, a few pine trees. To the left of it is a huge field. To the right of it is a huge open field. And behind it is a dirt embankment that goes up about 25 or 30 feet. It's red clay, nothing on it, and it goes into another pasture, another field. So the deer ran up the hill running away from the guy that just blew his antler off. The deer has seen me, knows I'm there, and I said, God, my deer, you promised me. Now, this is not normal. The deer stopped and came back. Yeah, that's what I said, wow. Wow. It had decided to come down and to enter the woods, the little patch of green woods in the middle of the field. Now, I'm standing there, and I got a single-shot forty four Magnum where you put a bullet in, close it, open it up, take it out, put another one in. You know, That's what poor people have. They don't have automatic nothing. I couldn't afford automatic anything. So I loaded up my little gun and I'm standing about, oh, 50 yards away from the patch and I decided to try an old squirrel hunting trick. I'm going to shoot into the honeysuckle and blow him out. So I raised my gun, shot, nothing happened. Reloaded my gun and I went, hmm, I know he's in there. And I began to stalk the honeysuckle patch. He's going to come out of here like a bat out of Alabama. Any moment. And the closer I get and the closer I get, no deer moved. And I came to the honeysuckle patch and I came around it, and the deer's laying dead with a bullet through his heart I had killed without seeing it. I had a Holy Ghost fit. Don't think I didn't dance all over that deer. I have just shot a deer in the wrong time of the day without ever knowing where they are that I didn't see with my eyes that came back. I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of a miracle of God. And I'm dancing around this deer and the Spirit of God came on me and said, I brought you here today to teach you something. From this day forward, I want you to remember what I showed you They that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Everywhere you go and everything you do from this day forward will be based on what I'm saying in your spirit. And don't ever forget the miracle because I can lead you when it looks impossible. That was the lesson that got me to Tulsa. That was the lesson that got me to Orlando. That was the lesson that got me here. When we bought this property that we're on right now, there's six acres. We only paid $125,000 for this land. Someone say glory to God. But, the, but there was a prophecy come forward that says that I've hidden you a piece of property on a hill. Who ever heard of a hill and a popka? Well, there is a hill, and I found it. But when I walked on this property, the Lord said, buy it. You Listen, our church was bringing in $2,000 a week. It was costing us $1,900 a week just to keep the doors open, just salaries and whatever. I mean, we didn't have a lot of money. I had no money, but I did have a word from the Lord, this is your spot, buy this. So I grabbed Lisa and went down, and they loaned us the money on raw land. They don't loan you 90% on raw land, but they did us. And we bought it, and we drew up the plans, and we started building this building. We built it for $835,000, this land and the retention pond and all of that. And the money supernaturally came in because the Lord said, I want you there. I didn't I didn't have to create this. I this was not even my idea. Are y'all following me? The lesson he taught me that day has kept me. There have been a few times I have violated it. The Bible says, "Do not lean to your own understanding." There are times when what God says Does not make sense. One of them was the time that the Beltway was going to come through my pasture. And I sold the house I was living in and bought another one completely out of the will of God and lost a couple hundred thousand dollars, even though I knew in my heart what I was doing was wrong. Thank y'all. You can thank god that i 've done stupid because i i, I don 't want to stand here like i pastor you i've i've if you 've done something stupid j- just join the crowd we 've all done stupid stuff, but if you 'll remember he was trying to tell you not to do it when you did it okay God has a place for you. He has a people for you. He has a job for you. God has a He will take care of you, but you and I are going to have to get accustomed to pray in a prayer. What do you want me to do? Now, I've had people in this church that went through a divorce or went through marriage problems, and they come to me and say, what do I do? And my answer is, I don't know, because I don't. There is no pat answer for you. What is the Lord saying to you? When I was in Tulsa, my first marriage was falling apart. I went to my pastor. He didn't help me. That's how I learned how not to pastor. If you come and have marriage problem, we'll talk to you. But when you have a pastor who doesn't, it uh, leaves a bad taste in your mouth. So one day on the way out, I, I, I pulled Kenneth Hagin aside, Brother Hagin. I said, Brother Hagin, can I talk to you a minute? And he said, walk with me. And we walked to the building. And I told him the story of what was going on in my life. And, and I said, what should I do? He said, follow your spirit. That's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted him to tell me what to do. Yeah. Tell me what to do, brother. Just tell me what to prophesy. <laughs> and it kind of made me mad a little bit. I thought, well, that's not what I wanted. I wanted him to answer my question. But what he gave me was great advice. And I went home and I prayed. I made a big mistake thinking that somehow or another, when someone serves you with divorce papers, you're not supposed to sign them. Some people you are. Some people should. Some people should not. How would you know? Well, you would know it. I won't know it for you, but you would know it. What should you do about that kid of yours? I have no idea don't you pray about it? Why don't you seek God on what to do? What about the job you have? I hate this job. That don't mean a thing. It might be you. But it might be that God wants to get you out of there. I don't, I don't have an answer for you. Let's talk about America. What in the world are we doing? I don't know. How is it going to be this year? I don't know that either. And I do know one thing. I'm praying and seeking God. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? I had a problem years ago with sermons. There's people that look at me and say, Brother Hagan, never preached on that. And, and I, I, I listened. But Brother Hagan didn't live now. Brother Hagin, I'm not Brother Hagan. I was studying the book of Revelation and somebody told me one time, Brother Hagan didn't preach on the book of Revelation. Well, then why is God talking to me about the book of Revelation and what did he put it in the Bible for if he don't want me to preach on it? You see, we have this problem with thinking that everyone else has our answer. They don't have your answer. You have your answer. And so I've had times when he said, I want you to preach on this and I go, Oh, that's not gonna go over very well. He goes, You preach it anyway. Brother Hagan had a church in Texas that he refused to preach on tithing. Back then was not a big it was a big no no to preach on money. And he left that church and the Lord said, Now you go back to that church. He goes, Why? He said, You didn't preach on tithing, and you you've robbed them And you'll go back and do what I told you and preach what I tell you to preach. And he had to go back to a church he didn't want to go to and preach a sermon he didn't want to preach. Thank y'all. And he did. And one day, and I'm just going to, let's just go down this road a little bit. Let's just, can we just kind of head down? One day he's out so much preaching that Aretha got tired of him being gone. And Aretha started putting pressure on him to stay home more. But the Lord was leading him to go. See, Kenneth Hagan was starting a movement that needed to get started. He's the father of the charismatic renewal. He is the man that started this. He's the one that taught Kenneth Copeland, Billy Brim, Jesse Duplantis, Andrew Walmart, every one of those people cut their teeth on Kenneth e. Hagin. Yeah, exactly. Kenneth Hagin needed to be in the will of God. But Aretha is pushing her husband's buttons. So he's, he, he stopped what he was doing and decided to take a church. All of the sickness on him came back. And he fell almost dead in, a, in the pulpit. And the Lord spoke to Aretha and said, I can take him home. And she got on her face and said, please forgive me. I will let him go do what he needs to do. Don't get quiet on me. How important it is, is it for you to be where he told you to be? Say, very important. I, want, I got another story. Can you, can you handle another story? It's 1156. Can you handle another story? I've always loved preaching the gospel to sinners they're a lot easier to deal with than Christians because they just don't know nothing. And I relate to them because I remember what it was like to be a sinner. So anytime I get an invitation to go preach to the lost, I love it. See, you can go to Russia and preach like I'm doing now and a thousand people to get saved. You come to America, you just look at me like, eh, pretty good. I don't know. When's he going to be done? It's true, we're we're very, very sidetracked people here. So, so um, someone invites me to Cuba. I said yes. I get on a, I fly down to Quetzaltenango, Guatemala, get on the C ninety, fly over to Cuba, preach the gospel. People get saved. People get saved. Leave Cuba, fly back to Quetzaltenango. I'm walking around the apartment, praying the spirit, and the Lord says, "What are you doing here?" Now, my first reaction was this. That's a dumb question. But even though you know he knows what you're thinking, don't say it. Just don't, don't. That's a dumb question. And, and so I was real kind with God. And I said, well, you said, go into all the world, preach the I'm quoting the Bible to God like he don't know it. And he said, well, I didn't tell you to come here. I went, huh. Oh. He said, I told you to go to a popka and, Pastor, go home. Chewed out for getting people saved. (laughs) You know what's funny is people come to me and say, I have a karate ministry. No, you don't. You just like karate. I have a ballerina ministry. No, you don't. I have a fishing ministry. No, I don't. Don't shout me down. Isn't it amazing how every time we want to do something, we turn it into a ministry? Maybe you have a mama ministry where you're supposed to make babies. <laughs> I ain't my ministry. I ain't bear no baby. and have no baby. I can sit and look goofy too. What is he saying to you? What's he saying to you, Nikki? What's he saying, Steve? Many of you are businessmen. Stay businessmen. God never called everybody to be a preacher. If you're called to be a businessman, be a businessman. But be a godly, God-fearing, good businessman. If you're a school teacher, be a school teacher. If they fire you, pray. What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? We're living in a very different time right now. And I'm doing this because every one of us need to know where we're supposed to be. Where we're supposed to be. Doing what we're supposed to be doing. I can't tell you whether what you're doing is right or wrong, and I won't. I can tell you what the Bible says. If you don't obey it, you're the one that's going to hurt. I don't lose sleep at night because you're doing something wrong. I'm going to do my best to teach you. But when God has a place for you, think about this for a minute. Jesus rose from the dead, and he told five 100 people to meet him in Jerusalem. 120 showed up. 380 people had something else to do. Don't be in that crowd. Don't be in that crowd. We're the most sidetracked entertainment people on the earth. God has blessed America. We have a great nation. But we have more junk to do than anybody else has to do on this planet. And it's junk. If I could walk the earth when Jesus was here, I'd be on the mountain when he was teaching. I would be there. I want to I wanna see him take a spit wad and shove it up in a guy's eye socket and make an eyeball. I want to be, I want to see that. No place on the earth I'd rather be than sitting right there and watching him or to be in the boat and watch him walk up at night and go, hey, guys, how are we doing? That's cool. But there were people that lived and died and never met him. Right now, I want you to make a vow to God. I want to be where you want me to be, doing what you want me to do. It is the only guarantee you have. Go to the brook and I'll take care of you there. And be willing to leave if he says, be willing to stay if he says stay. How am I doing? Say, I have a place. Call there. Now, again, all of us are going to have to learn this. They that are led by the Holy Ghost, follow peace and follow love. Follow the love in your heart and follow the peace of God in your heart. Mary Fran, I'm gonna try to close with this. Mary Fran was getting on an airplane one day and the Spirit of God said, get off the plane. When you have your luggage on a plane, that's a big deal because they think, well, maybe you put a bomb on it. They got to get in and they got to hold the whole airline up and pull your luggage off because you want to get off. The Holy Ghost said get off. She got off. The plane crashed. You say, well, I'm going to go here. You might want to pray. Well, I'm going to do this. Fine. Pray about it. Just a thought. We have neighbors that moved to Tennessee, North Carolina, North Carolina. Two years later, they moved back to Orlando. Just miss God, Mick. A little bump in the road. We also have friends that left and started a church in Georgia. No one came. If he didn't tell you to start a church, don't start a church. You need to know that you know that you know before you do you start a church. So everybody's doing it. And no matter what everybody's doing. Let me say one more thing. During COVID, do you know why I stayed open? I was only going to stay open one more week. I, I didn't have any more guts than anyone else. It's just that I decided to stay open one more week. COVID wasn't in a popcorn. I said, well, let's just stay open. Let's just stay open. But the next week, the Holy Ghost started moving. People started coming to church and getting born again. And I said, you are rebelling against Fauci. Falsey. Somebody. And I felt led to stay open until Easter. Just felt led in my heart to stay open. Then I was going to shut it down. After Easter, I was starting to get really aggravated with the government and I felt led in my spirit, stay open, stay open. I was starting to get, you know, sometimes you need to get mad inside. I'm, st- I'm staying i It wasn't that I had more, I just, I just kept praying and following inside me. Everyone else shut down, which means I'm either obeying God or I'm a rebel. And I got called a rebel a few times. Even Ramah shut down and said, all the pastors should shut down. Now I'm not just rebelling. I'm rebelling against everybody except God. And then people looked at me and said, if they die, it's your fault. And I went, oh, man, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. That's quite a thing to put on a man. If anybody dies, it's your fault they died. And I'm in my room praying. Oh God, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. And He's like, "Stay up, stay up, stay up." And he, you, know, you better hear from God. You got to hear from God. You got time for one more? You know, there's places on the earth I don't want to go to preach. I mean, I like Hawaii. I like being called to Hawaii. I want to preach in Hawaii, that, the Bahamas, the preaching in the Bahamas. Has an element of this is God, India. Oh no, I don't want to. God, I don't want to go to India. No, I'm not. And the Lord said to me one day, "You're going to get an invitation to India, and I want you to go." And I went, "No." <laughs> Do you know what they put on their rice? Nothing. <laughs> Do you know what they eat breakfast, lunch, and supper? Rice. It is the most uninviting, ugly place to go. I mean, there's nothing fun to do. I mean, if we just had some fun. And he said, I want you to go to India. You're going to get invited to India. Well, I went. I obeyed God. We took crusade equipment in there preached all over the hills with it. People are still getting saved by that equipment we took in. On the way home, I got locked outside of a village, and um, I couldn't get to my airplane. And I said, God, you said come, and I did. Now I want to go home. And an angel came and took my taxi and got me to the airport. I obeyed him. Come time to go home to Lisa. I'm going to go home. How are we doing? How many of you feel the Spirit of God dealing with your heart right now? We've entered a time now we've never been in before. We're in the last days. I think one of the most important things you'll ever hear is they that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Sons of God. When we have a meeting with Mark Hankins, I'm going to say, You should be in church. Well, I had something to do. Well, why don't you change it? I'm being serious. You got Jesus in the building and you're off doing something? That's not intelligent. We've become too independent as a nation. And I think Americans need to come back and have a greater dependence on God. I think we need to spend a lot more time in His presence, seeking His faith. May I pray? Father, thank you for the opportunity to preach to your church. These people sitting here today, all of us sitting here, this is your family. You've given me a the opportunity to stand and pastor your family people you love people you shed your blood for people you died for I have nothing to offer them but you do you have everything to offer us you died for us you shed your blood for us and I believe you have a a divine will for each one of us in this room whether it's business or ministry or whatever it is And I think you have a place for us to be, a house to be in, a group of people to know as friends. I believe you have that for us. I pray that today we would walk out of here with a realization that it's very important to be where you say be. You have a greater emphasis on places than we have ever thought. But it's important we be in that place when you said be in that place because there's a spout where the glory is fallen out and we need to be there when it's falling whether it's the anointing or whether it's finances or whether it's friends you have a place for us I pray that everybody right now in the sound of my voice would take a whole lot more serious this person inside of us called Holy Spirit who's trying his best to get us where we need to be, that we'll cooperate and follow you and go where you say go and do what you say do and run our race and finish our course and be where we're supposed to be in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen and amen. Well, since y'all were so wonderful today, I'm going to let you out 10 minutes early. Praise the Lord. And I'll meet all of y'all after I go to the door that want to know about the outreach here in about 10 minutes.
1: Amen. You know, I just want to quote a scripture, Revelation 322. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and I'll dine with him. It's not enough just to hear his voice. It's, 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 you have to open the door. In, in in this area that he's talking about. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This morning, he's knocking at your door. You may be born again, but he's knocking at your door for something. He says, if anyone hears my voice of being led by the Spirit, Amen. And opens the door, we can hear his voice. Sometimes we don't open the door. So in the area of salvation, Yes, that it begins there, but it doesn't stop there. He's still knocking on the door of my heart, on the door of your heart. In all of these areas, it's not enough just to hear his voice. It's it, You have to open the door. And then he said, I'll come in, manifest myself to you. If you're here this morning and you haven't done the initial, as my altar workers come forward, if you haven't done the initial, Jesus is right now standing at the door of your heart And he's knocking. Are you listening? Do you have the ears to listen? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him shall not perish, shall not die, but shall have everlasting life. You have a chance this morning. If you don't know Jesus, he's standing at your door and he's knocking. The blood was shed for you. You will not get to heaven without the blood and without receiving what Jesus did. So if you're here this morning, you don't ever remember a time that you said, Jesus, come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Thank you for dying for me, shedding your blood, taking my sin away, forgiving me of sin. Come inside me, make me brand new. Come up this morning. This is your opportunity. You may not have another one. And if you're here this morning and and you were touched by this sermon and the Lord is saying something to you, And you want to come up and get prayer, get agreement. Like, I need to hear from God. I need to know where my there is. Or maybe you are hearing from God, but you haven't opened the door. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events.